Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, uh, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Nintendo Switch. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, uh, we like to talk about games. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, the, the, the big Nintendo Switch presentation was a couple of days ago. Uh, we have differing opinions on Nintendo, but I'm interested to see where you come down on this, uh, when you come down on the Nintendo Switch, um, just as interested as, uh, I was by the, by the presentation, uh, itself, and the, and the bigger reaction to the, you know, to what's going on in the community. I think the Nintendo Switch is, like, an interesting kind of snapshot into what's been going on with kind of consoles to a certain extent, um, which is part of the reason that it is so interesting to me. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm as, as you at home probably all know, and you definitely know, buddy, a big Nintendo fanboy, and I would describe myself as cautiously optimistic about the system. Um, I, I really like my Wii U. Like, I think I've used that console more than my Xbox One. Um... I I understand that that system had its weaknesses, but also had a really lot of really good like first party software, um, and it had its flaws. But you know, ultimately, I think that there's something defensible there. And I'm optimistic about the Switch because I think it's kind of heading back into a direction that makes a lot of sense for Nintendo. But I also feel, but it's Nintendo, and Nintendo is nothing if they're not boneheaded. And I'm seeing signs of them like making the same kind of weird mistakes that they have made in the past, which is kind of like, I'm a grumpy old grandpa and I don't understand your things, especially like the internet. And like, if the switch, like the switch could succeed in spite of that, but I'd much rather it succeed because it's good. If that makes sense. I am, uh, Cautiously optimistic is, like, a weird way to put it. I actually kind of feel like the Switch is one of the first Nintendo consoles I could see myself owning in a long time. Basically since the GameCube. Um, even the Wii and the Wii U, just, like, looking at that, like, I, the, those are consoles that aren't very appealing. And, and in a specific context, too, because, like, um, I actually think... Basically everything announced about the Switch from like an online or like a multiplayer kind of perspective, um, even like couch co-op or like couch multiplayer, is pretty awful uh, in general. But I think if you if the Switch wait, is wait, just wait. yeah yeah wait wait okay yeah, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to opinion here. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna have to defend that couch thing to me. But finish your thoughts. Sorry. Um the uh, um but but if you just kind of look at it as a single player kind of machine. Uh, it really seems to be like good and appealing. Um, it's it's not the cheapest thing in the world, right? But it is relatively cheap. Um, you don't really need to buy any other like peripherals or any other doodads, uh, which is kind of like the main downfall of especially couch co-op, right? Like you kind of can't do couch co-op without buying more of this stuff, and to get more of these, you know, Joy-Con controllers or whatever, it's like ninety fucking dollars. Like, what on earth are these price tags? Um, just in order to like actually enjoy uh, multiplayer games like Arms or whatever. Um, also, I think that there's a big difference. I you know 
I, I don't know about Splatoon. I've never played Splatoon or whatever. I'm sure Splatoon 2 might be cool or awesome or whatever. Um, but ARMS didn't see all that seem all that appealing to me. Um, and, uh, and neither did Splatoon 2. But Breath of the Wild and uh, uh, Super Mario Odyssey actually look good. Like, like I, I was, I was a little bit hesitant. I was like a little, you know, after the E3 presentation with Breath of the Wild, I was a little bit standoffish because I'm like, all right, Nintendo, like, where, when are you gonna ruin this thing for me, right? Um, but uh, I don't know. I uh, think that the, um, uh, I think that those two games, what you know, like what they released and what they saw, what what uh, I saw about those two games, kind of proves that I feel as though Nintendo is leaving behind, to a certain extent, uh, some of their kind of like shittier anti single player practices in their in their games um if that makes sense uh like you know all of the new marios like the new super mario brothers wii u or whatever right like all of these kinds of games are you know they're platformers and they're cool and they're neat but they're also kind of like kid games where all of the new mechanics seem to be focused on co-op stuff uh so seeing a game like super mario odyssey I, I don't agree with that assessment of the of the Mario games at all. I think that's like, like the way you make Super Mario Brothers like more difficult is you play co op, like in in those in the new Super Mario Brothers series. Also, the, like the super so as a kind of more broad kind of survey of of Mario games, like into the modern age, I think starting around like say like Super Mario sixty four, like the games are easy at like the base level but like the optional content is difficult um and i think that's kind of the the balance that mario's always struck and i think it does it well he, he, like i don't think there's been a bad mario a platform a core platformer um that's been put out ever uh the thing i'm highlighting more than anything else is the kind of lack of i mean you know how long has it been since what super mario galaxy 2 which is the last like 3D Mario that's like this, um, but like you know, if if I need to if I need to do co-op in order to get my challenge from a Super Mario game, that's exactly kind of my point, right? Like, no, where... I, so I, I don't I don't think that's accurate either, right? Like, the co-op makes it more challenging. But that's just kind of like a, a, a funny thing, right? Like, the challenge in the new Super Mario Brothers, like the the series name, New Super Mario Brothers, right? Which is the kind of the the return to the the, the 2D scrollers is in like the, the coins and in the, the extra challenges. The base game's easy, but that's kind of how it's always not like I said, not always since like the N sixty four era. Um the classic games all have pretty uh pretty crazy scaling once you hit the later levels, but that's just kind of like a, a shift in I guess philosophy. Um but that's been true for like a while now. Okay, I I guess. I don't. I, mean, I don't really know what to say to that. Um, but so I, you know, I can see myself buying this thing just kind of as like a single player console, like at the end of the year, because super well, because you know these games don't come out for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, Super Mario. Well, of the two games you mentioned, one comes out at launch. Breath of the Wild comes out at launch, and Super Mario Odyssey comes out in on, on Christmas. Oh wait, did I misunderstand that? I thought that I thought Breath of the Wild came out in like summer or whatever. No, it comes. It's it's a launch title. Oh, it, fair enough. It is like I think it's like the only like first party launch title. It's 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 a weird thing. Um, uh, oh no, there's also one two switch. Um, that game. Um, so kind kind of like in this kind of vein of like Nintendo, what are you doing? 
Like, 1-2-Switch looks like it'll be an awesome party game. It should be bundled with every system. It's not. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't see myself spending, like, okay. I don't see an average consumer spending money on 1-2-Switch. It looks like it's a lot of fun. It looks like it, it, it could be cool, but, like, I feel like I feel like it, it it should be the Wii Sports of this system, in that you know you can move the Switch just with this game, and it's also kind of the biggest counterpoint to like, you know, it's meant to be multiplayer with one set of Joy Cons, um, and I think that there will be games that support that functionality, but I think that there'll be few that are optimized for it, like the like One Two Switch is 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 uh, clearly optimized for, um, and so uh, like. Hmm. Well, do you have any thoughts on one two switch? Uh, I, you know, I don't have any specific thoughts. I, I I find the multiplayer aspect of it one two switch is probably the best, um, but I find the multiplayer aspect of uh, the switch pretty unengaging in general. Right? Like, I think the uh, I think their online service they've basically announced that their online service is just going to not be. You, 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 <clears throat> The, uh, so for people who don't know, right, like the parameters of the online service are it's going to be free for a while and then you're going to have to pay for it like you pay for Xbox One or whatever. Um, and then you're going to get free retro games, um, with that in the same way that you get free games with PlayStation Plus or you get free games with, um, Xbox Live, right? Uh, Xbox Live Gold, I guess. Um, uh, but what you, but the, the free games expire after a month. And so you just have to buy them again, which is awful. So they've just kind of announced that they're they're gonna have an and I've and they've never been good at like they've never been good at online services in the first place. So I don't even have a lot of faith that like it's gonna be those, competent. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be competent just on a technical level, uh, which I just it's essentially five dollars a month for so you know. You want to, if you want to kind of be like the most apologetic, like you strip it away, you know, how often do you play your free PS Plus games? How often do you play your Xbox Live Gold, um, your free Xbox Live Gold games? Um, this is kind of the same. It's, it's $5 a month for internet, which is fairly standard, but you're right. Like they, they haven't been good at the internet so far. So unless they manage to come out of the box and wow me, I think this might be why there's this, this, this like four or five month lead into um you know it's, it's supposed to be stop being free at the end of the summer and i think that might be so that if something turns out to be terrible they can rewind that decision right like if it's a terrible online service and it's terrible for the first four months i see them maybe not flipping the switch to make it paid and then being like oh we're giving you another three months of free you know for everyone and for them to figure out if, if their system is actually good or not. I, I, oh, I, boy. Jeez. Uh, you know, I guess I could see that happen. I don't think this is, a, like, I don't think this is a good thing, but I, I think that's why they've done it this way. We've seen other companies do I think there was, I, I can't remember, but there there was something similar to this that Nintendo did. Um, I, I, I just, you know, plans can always change. And I think that the fact that they're not making it cost on launch is kind of indicative of of something. Like I think they want to like I think at the very least they want to gauge reaction, um, to see what's up. 
Okay, that's fair. Um, I also think that uh, from a single player perspective, the on the sorry the uh, uh, like the handheld nature of it is like a huge bonus, like I th- a I giant think, bonus. I think that's actually kind of also the the greatest thing from like the multiplayer aspect, right? Like your couch co op, I think is going to be less you and your friends with one switch, and more your friend brings over his switch, and maybe you know you play on the television while he plays on I don't know in the bathroom or something, you know. Every, everybody kind of, like, sits, you know, the kids in the, all bring their Game Boys or their Switches to school, and they sit in a circle. Or, you know, you you go to, like, a friend's place, you bring your Switch over, and the way you the way you get your couch multiplayer is you on your Switch and your friend on his Switch. Um, because they have, they've announced, like, I think it's, like, up to eight-person land on it, which I think is the most compelling aspect of, of the multiplayer. But, again, that, that requires a lot of adoption. Um, and it is a little bit different than, than what's traditional. It's a very, you know, Game Boy-esque level of, of, uh, of multiplayer. Yeah, I'm also just not very convinced that that level of, of adoption is... Uh, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe it'll be a thing um, if even Nintendo haters like me can kind of get on board to a certain extent. Uh, I suppose that's a good sign. But yeah, I I I, I am I am uh, uh, I guess I'm a little bit doubtful of that kind of like working out the way that it like like working out as cleanly as that I suppose yeah you I know mean, what I mean yeah I, mean, I, I, I know I what also you mean think but I think you already also see this a lot with like at least with the more dedicated audience with with this this already happening with like um. 3DSs and, and that kind of thing, right? Like, you, you can see it, you know, obviously it's specialized gatherings, but you see this at conventions and, like, game shops, like, people showing up and everybody having their system and playing with each other that way. Yeah, I also, but I also think the 3DS was cheaper. Uh, I think the 3DS has been around longer for that kind of adoption to set in. Um, uh, Nintendo clearly, I mean, how many how many systems, like, 2 million systems or whatever that, they, that they've created for launch? Yeah, um, they said they could adjust that, and I hope they do, because apparently it's sold out everywhere. Yeah, I'm actually kind of not surprised to, uh, I'm kind of not surprised to hear that. If there's anything that I feel like will always keep Nintendo afloat, I think it's just, like, they have such a high floor when it comes to, like, the people who will pre-order every system and every game, you know, like, all of these first-party games that they ever put out, like... To a certain extent, I want to get on Nintendo's case for just kind of, like, selling people their childhoods back to them. Because I think if you kind of, like, th- that, that's the broad strokes of, like, Nintendo's business strategy over the last 20 years. Um, but I also kind of can't really fault them for it. Because, first of all, it's successful. And second of all, it's not like they're not making good stuff with those properties. Yeah, like, I, I think that's the biggest thing. that There are very few misses in the first party. Right, I think the biggest ones are the are the Paper Mario games, which, um, you know, is, is is disappointing to fans of that series, but it's also kind of like, I feel like they made the changes they did because it was such a niche property in the first place. Well, also Pikmin Four, I've heard bad things about. Uh, um, well, but, hmm. see, Pik- If you want to tell me that Pikmin Four is selling me my childhood again, Pikmin Three, whatever, the, or Pikmin Three rather, then I'm gonna say that that you could say the same thing about. Bioware doing Andromeda, like the t- Pikmin one is not that old. It's what? Yes, it is. Well, I mean, compared to Mass Effect, 
Pikmin 1 is like 15 years old at this point. I mean, Mass Effect is 10 years old, right? But, but like, what? I, I, I don't think, what? Uh, it came out on the GameCube in 2001. Yeah. And what's, about, what's the Mass Effect 1 release date? Uh, 2007, probably, with the Xbox 360. Maybe 2008, but I bet it's 2007. Uh, it's too, too, is it really that recent? I thought it was older. Than, I'm googling it now, but it's. Uh, it's I mean, if you want to say that, drama. if you want to say that, like Bioware. Oh, it is 2007. Yeah. If you want to say that, like Bioware is like a like a continuation, or sorry, Mass Effect is like a continuation on Bioware games like Knights of the Old Republic, uh, or like, well, see, not even really Baldur's Gate. You can really only go for Knights of the Old Republic. Maybe I I kind of like. like I mean, it, okay, it, then I'll tell you that Inquisition is the same thing with like Baldur's Gate One. God, it's such a stretch, though. Is uh, it but really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I you know, <clears throat> I have I have a connection to Pikmin. Uh, I mean, it's just first of all, it's not the same property. Even if it's like a spiritual successor, this is like saying like Bioshock Infinite is you know catching it on the nostalgia of System Shock. It's like, I mean, I I see the through line. Like I understand yeah, the no, line. So, that so you're, I, I, but but stuff gets lost in translation, right? Pikmin three is Pikmin three, right? Like yeah, it's but it's 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 clearly it's also, a successor. It's it. See, I, the, also the problem I have with this is there's like three games in the series, right? Like, I don't. So Pikmin, I don't associate with being like a classic Nintendo property, like um, Mario or well, Zelda. So, okay, so first of all, the thing that you identified was first party, right? It's a first party game. Oh sure. Second of sure. all, uh, I totally think of Pikmin as a Pikmin is probably the, the classic Nintendo property that I have the most connection to. Yeah, but that's I because remember... you didn't like you didn't play the like Nintendo games when you were a kid. Like... I, I play. I I had I had an Xbox or an, a Nintendo sixty four. I played plenty of. You know, N64 games. Now, my fault that Pikmin is better than all those shit-ass shit games. Yeah, I fucking said it. <laughs> Did you only ever play, like, Attack Choppers 3D or something? <laughs> no, I just never really got into Super Mario 64 uh, or Ocarina of Time. Well, I'll let that speak for itself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you want from me, Mango. Uh, I want an appreciation for classic games. That's I, I, you know, I have plenty of appreciation for you know what they what they represent, but yeah, Super Super Mario sixty four is uh, Super Mario. What 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 is it a good example of? Uh, trying to think of like a good a it's great like, game. Maybe it's something like uh, maybe something like I Love Lucy, where it's like I can appreciate how important this was. Like this is monumentally important for the medium, right? Um, that game, no, I disagree. I that game, really think that game, that, I don't really think it holds up. Super that game, well. that game still holds up great today. Like, and like, if you don't like three D platformers, that's fine. But it's I still like a shining example of. I think 3D Spyro holds up really well. I don't think Super Mario sixty four wow. does in uh, in the same way. Controversial opinions. Get the fuck at me. I. Uh, also, Super Mario 64 uh, is still uh, tight. Fuck, what is it? Uh, you still have people making videos about quarter, about half button presses. Yeah, uh, yeah, we actually button. just passed the one year anniversary of that video. Holy uh, shit! Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually watched. I actually watched a video. Uh, kind of. What is the the like the Game Grumps guys? 
where they played. Uh, it, it was like a it was like a collection of that you know they had a fifty part series that was like replaying like one hundred stars in Super Mario sixty four. <laughs> And the whole progression was, I guess it was like Aaron or whatever, Ego Raptor was just like, went from like, oh, I'm so ready for the nostalgia, I love this game or whatever, to like, oh my god, this game is such horse shit. I don't know. So maybe, I've, you know. I've, I've replayed it recently, and I think it still holds up. I, you know, I I love that game. Um, I think it's one of the seminal platformers of the generation. Um, as well as like Banjo-Kazooie, which I have which I have played, which I have played more recently. Oh, I think, first of all... I think Banjo Kazooie's legit. Uh, second of all, uh, I I'm not trying to dis I'm not trying to like get on its place in history. I no no no. I understand your point in history. I understand your point. I still think you're wrong. I if yeah, but if you want to say if you want to say it's a seminal if it's a seminal platformer of the era, I agree 100 percent. Right, like it is super important. It is definitely iconic. It paved the way for you know all these other three D platformers that I think are way better. Um, but uh, you know, if, part of the problem with it being first is that it, you know, has wonky controls and that camera is weird and frustrating sometimes. Like you know, stuff like that. I don't think the controls are wonky. Like I'm, I'll agree with you on the camera, right? Because you know, like we, we don't, we're not even in the era of twin sticks at that point. But I think the controls are, are still used today. It's the same controls that they used to Banjo Kazooie, the same controls that they, I think, still use in games today for the most part. Not that we have that many three D platformers. Yeah, anymore. okay, that's fair. I guess. I guess really, I'm talking about the camera. The, the controls themselves are basically fine but you have to do weird stuff i i'm thinking i'm trying to like think you know i'm trying to like think of me playing the game right and like you have to do weird things in order to like you have to you just have to do weird things in order to orient the camera yeah yeah okay in ways which makes the controls feel and it, it feels like the controls are wonky but really you're just compensating for the camera, the camera. Being okay wonky. yeah that's, that's okay really what i mean okay i'll buy that yeah yeah i think that's fair um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I find this I find this incredibly amusing. Back to the Switch. I do also have to say that I've been very harsh on Nintendo because insofar as like the Nintendo machines are just kind of like first party like machines. I actually kind of hate that because to me it's just like, well, open up your platform, you know, like open up your platform, right? Like stop being like stingy fuckholes about it. Just, you know, become... A you know, just become a publisher on just like abandon the console war. If the only thing good about these machines is that they're the only things that can run these games, just stop making the machines and start putting the games on everything, right? Make PC versions of all of this stuff. Make Xbox and PS4 versions all of, of all of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of it's like you know, I I I I, I See the, the thing. The thing to me is that Nintendo's the only person that's pushing innovation anymore in in in, the, in that space, right? The Xbox and the PS Playstations are increasingly becoming like specialized PCs with exclusives, and they're not even that great at doing that, right? Like the only reason to buy any either of those systems anymore is the fact that they are. Is 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 uh, is is for the exclusives, and I guess the the, the price points. A point, but like, they don't offer much more than a PC does anymore. Um, 
plus you've got some disadvantages but along with that whereas the Nintendo or Nintendo is always trying to do at least something new with it and you know it's not always successful Wii U being case in point of that but like the Switch I'm excited for some of these things right like um, at first, when they talked about motion controls of the Joy-Cons, I was kind of like, eh? But the more I look at it, if they've got significant mastery over this at this point, right, and these feel right, then I think it's setting itself up to kind of, like, be, like, part two, like... Nintendo is, like, driving itself ass backwards into VR, right? Like, everybody did the headset first, and then their motion controllers. Now... Nintendo's like done its motion controllers and maybe we'll see something from it at that point in the future. But if these, if these joy cons are as good as they, as you know, they demoed, which they might not be. Um, but if they are, I think that's going to be incredible, especially with this, um, with the rumble stuff. Like I've, I've seen people poo poo, like what, who cares about like filling the, the, the glass, the ice in the glass, whatever that was. But I've, I've done some stuff with haptics, not, not like, you know, game stuff. I've done some like, um, uh, I've, I've done some like research stuff with with haptics, and if it's good, it's actually incredibly immersive, and it feels really cool if it's done right. So I'm I'm hopeful on that front because it's like, you know, the we really drove motion controls forward, right? Like everybody kind of waited for that, and then the move came, right? And and uh, and like the connects. I'm not gonna put that in the same category, but I think it's kind of like. The, the Kinect and the Move came after the Wii sold 8 million units. Um, and I think when Nintendo is pushing the envelope, that's where it's the best. And I, I think it's... I Frankly, I'd rather have just Nintendo and not PlayStation or Xbox than the other way around. Uh, don't take my... You know, don't take me... For, I'm kind of making the almost opposite case, which is just that consoles in general are obsolete. And just should be phased out entirely. Like that's that's more like if you want if you want to sell me on the fact that like the the PS4 and the Xbox One are just not worth it and not worth people's times and should should go away. Yeah, I'm, I kind of buy that, but that's not really a positive argument for the Wii U or for the sorry for the Switch, right? That that to me feels like an argument for like. It's like it's like it's like saying yeah, but the yeah oh the switch might be bad, but there's something else worse out there. It's like well yeah that stuff is worse, but like the switch is still bad, right? Like it still has kind of some of these same problems. And to a certain extent, I I agree. To a certain extent, I really don't know. Okay, so so I I see your point, but I think that's an argument for Nintendo to split its hardware and P and software divisions have software to make software for everything and their hardware to make like pc peripherals yeah um, i mean i think i would be super down for that except for these peripherals cost way too much fucking money <laughs> but like but like that's kind of what i you know i don't know i feel like that's kind of what i feel like nintendo should be doing and part of the frustration about them not doing it i also think that motion controls man i've really yet to be like super sold on motion controls i there must be something out there that somebody could be like oh well if you play this one i'm sure you'd love you know, motion controls, but, like, I've played plenty of Wii, you know, Wii Sports. I played, uh, uh, what's the, Metroid Prime 3 came out for the Wii, and that was all, that was all motion controls. And kind of those, the it, and, like, if there's anything I think I can be sold on when it comes to motion controls, it's that kind of, like, point-and-click motion controls or whatever. Um, but I just kind of don't know... 
I just kind of don't know that I like believe it. I I think the I think the big thing about the switch that makes it is uh like powerful to a certain extent is uh is it's is like the the reverse functionality like the switching functionality between handheld and console and like this is the clever thing because like I can't just pop out my PC and take it with me wherever right like you know. There's an argument to be made that, like, oh, well, the iPad is just a better version of this. Well, yeah, but, like, the extra functionality of me being able to plug this into a TV, right, versus... Also a physical controller, like... Yeah, also, yeah, like, like I think that I think that is kind of the way that, like, the Switch, like, justifies itself as yeah. a console. Uh, even though I, I have a lot of... I mean, they said the, the, the battery time was, like, two to six hours, Um but, uh, you know, like, the 3DS battery time is, like, three to five hours, uh, which seems pretty short. I don't really know what you do to get around that. So, so this se. is this is actually, think... this is super important, or super clutch. Um, the Switch is USB-C, which means that that battery that you bought to, like, power your smartphone while you played Smoke Pokemon Go for a month, you can use it to power your, your Switch. Yeah, that is, uh, that is super true. Yeah, I do, uh, I think that's, God... Nintendo, and those like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was all the work. They released Pokemon when, Go uh, <laughs> to make you buy the battery that way you can charge your Switch on well, the no, Go. Well, no, but I mean, just like Nintendo has this fun thing of like making proprietary, just like weird proprietary things in order to like, just I don't like I don't know what the thought process really was. Like, uh, so this is something that that is poignant for me because the the N sixty four that I had as a kid. Um, the N64 that I had as a kid was a friend of mine. He threw it out because his RCA cable broke or whatever. Um, but, like, it still worked fine, so I took it. I just didn't have the RCA cable. It's not like I could go to fucking Radio Shack and just buy a normal RCA cable like I could with, like, everything else, right? Like, I, no, I had to I had to get this specific one with this, like, little Nintendo flange. And eventually I did, like, get it, but for a long time it was just, like... This is such bullshit. <laughs> or like the little GameCube discs, right? Like, what the fuck were you thinking? Fun fact, the GameCube RCA cable's the same cable as the N64 one. <laughs> I know, and it, and it was the same cable, I think, as, uh, I guess, the SNES? Maybe I was wrong about that. But yeah, like, the, the you know, and I was just like, God, this is... Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of like a Nintendo doing thing the old ways and doesn't update fast enough. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that was even that weird until HDMI became the standard, and obviously Nintendo was behind on that. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're pointing. You know, like the charger for the 3DS is some weird thing that you have to buy a specific thing for. Um, yep, same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, like same thing with the DS. Just like they, I, I don't know, I don't know why. I just love doing this uh, shit. Yeah. I, so I think, I think, I think the answer in a lot of ways can be Japan. Like, like. I, I just don't think that there's as much universe like I don't think this is a big an issue in Japan and you know Microsoft is American and Sony I think has enough kind of spread like they don't just do gaming consoles in Japan like I think I think Nintendo's always been Japan so that's why it's taken taking them this long to unregion lock their their hardware that's the, that's another benefit of the switches it's not region locked um I, I I think there's a lot of weirdness of like of, of the J Japanese old world in in Nintendo's DNA. Yeah, um, I feel that. I think I think that principle can kind of be like <laughs> that. That principle is kind of like 
the defining thing that, that gets to my frustration with Nintendo. Because I don't really have, like, first, you know, I don't have the, the kind of, like, nostalgia. I never had an SNES or an NES or anything, right? Um, so I don't have that kind of, like, baseline. And then everything after that has these weird, like, just, like, really weirdly frustrating pain points <laughs> that make it just, like, why? Why are you doing this? So... The thing I will say in defense of that is the other side of that is this is why you don't generally get bad first party Nintendo games. I think I think a lot of that is also the kind of like a lot of the things that make it frustrating is also kind of what makes it good. And I think that's kind of why um, you you get diehard Nintendo fanboys because the, 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 it's the same problems they've always put up with, and in return they get the same quality that they've always gone for. If that makes sense, um, I don't. know. It's very insular, and that's bad, but... Um, one thing I did want to talk about, though... Um, this is, like... This might come off as weird, but... You know, you know, they, they said that the, the, the screen on the pad is capacitive instead of resistive, and that's great. But I don't understand why. Because... I don't understand why it's a touchscreen. Because, you know, two of the three modes, you're not using the touchscreen. Like, it seems like a lot of, eff like a lot of effort and money into something that's going to be... That's that's gonna have to be underutilized, right? Like yeah. you can't use the touchscreen while it's in the dock. You can't use it like, I guess maybe you could use the touchscreen while it's in kickstand mode, but like, you can't build games around that. Like like, as you know, as you could say what you will about the the Wii U touchpad and it's 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 you know it's it's relatively poor performance and whatever, but you could at least reliably integrate that into your games. You can't do that with the Nintendo Switch. You have to rely on on, on on a regular functioning menu system because the dock's going to be um, one of the main points of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really know what that was. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just, I, don't know. I also haven't seen anybody talk about that. So that it just struck out as super weird to me that like that they bothered to put this nice touchscreen on it, but for apparently no no reason. <laughs> I, I, I really have no idea. Maybe, you know, part of me thought for, like, a minute that they were like, oh, well, wow, are they trying to, like, you know, because, like, it, 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 maybe there's a perspective on this that's like, well, we're going to try and beat, like, the iPad as kind of, like, a babysitting tool, and so we're going to try and make a system that allows for kind of cross-pollination of, like, App, you know, like apps so that people can buy a Switch instead of an iPad, you, it, but like for kid kid stuff. But like that is such a backwards. But like I and then I but I just kind of thought about that. And I was like, what fucking hoops did I just jump through to justify that to myself for a second? Like even if you think about it from like the best case scenario, you have to like really bend over backwards to try and get there. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's 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 gonna be. Uh, maybe there'll be games that you have to play in, like, pulled-out mode, but that seems like a big loss. Like, one, I can't see Nintendo being okay with that. And two, that seems like a big loss. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also kind of feel like, I, you know, maybe to a certain extent, it's just kind of, like, hubris in a weird way of, like, you know, they don't want to admit that... Because it's, it's sort of the same thing as the big, big, fat gamepad from... Um, the big fat gamepad from uh, the Wii U. The Wii U. So maybe they kind of like don't want to admit that that particular aspect of the Wii U 
isn't good. Yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, and and, and I think, and to a certain extent, maybe they're trying to protect against like the possibility of you know, like maybe there's something on the Wii U that uses the big fat game pad that they want to bring to the Switch, and they want to make sure they can. Uh, they can like port it over with the same functionality. That actually is kind of compelling to me. Yeah, but that like, but I don't. Think I really don't. I don't have think, a good don't, answer for what that would be. Yeah, I also don't think that works though, because I don't think you can project it to the television while you hold the pad. Like, oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Like, maybe if you have two switches, but that that's like a huge fucking investment, right? Like, I yeah. Fucking, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really think about that. That's um like so I I get it as like convenience things like oh you can tap menu items now, but that seems like an awful lot. Like I'm sure that capacitive touchscreen isn't cheap. And that seems like an awful lot to put into the pad for like a, a non-core use. Yeah, I mean even if it drops the price of the console by 50 bucks, like how much more would I be willing to purchase that console if it's at yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, he, they're already, you know, however, whatever the price point is behind, uh, you know, like the Xbox One right now, it's like 220 right? Um, so they're already behind when it comes to the, the, the con- this console generation. And, yeah, I don't know. That just seems boneheaded. It seems really fucking boneheaded. Yeah. Um, anyway, I kind of want to talk software for a little while. Okay. That's okay. Um, just because, so so the, the the two big the two big titles were obviously um, Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, and as soon as I saw um, Odyssey, um, you know, I I got this like weird flash in my brain that like maybe somebody finally made like Shigeru Miyamoto play Skyrim or something because you know we've we've out of nowhere got two open world games that uh, of like long standing properties that haven't really like. Ocarina of Time was kind of open world, and Super Mario 64 was kind of open world, but these are kind of like the first real, like, real classical open world um, titles we've seen out of Nintendo ever. Yeah. Um, which I think, which I think is, 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 uh, is, is great. Like, I, I don't know what pushed them to it. I'm glad they, they did, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, Odyssey, Odyssey I'm excited for, um. Not so sure I'm uh, how on board I am with the sentient hat, but or or like the real world stuff. But we'll see how that plays out. I'm sure it'll be fine. I I, I have to say that uh, Odyssey probably gets a bigger. Uh, you know, I'll, 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 like I was even shitty towards uh, Super Mario Galaxy, uh, though I eventually kind of played some of that and kind of like got got with it. Um, but Odyssey is probably like the best. I don't know. I'm also a bit. I like. I really like Super Mario Sunshine. So I guess since Super Mario Sunshine, where I look at it and I'm like, that's a game I want to play. You know, like that looks right up my alley. But also at the same time, I look at it and I'm just kind of like, I hope it doesn't do that weird Sonic thing that they did in that one Sonic game, where it's like, here's super cartoony Sonic, and then here's him like making out with a real world chick. Oh, was, oh, and oh, you, you know that game I'm talking about? God. The, the one where he's like, uh, where he's like a knight or something. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't even. I, I gotta. I, I have to look it up now because it's gonna bother me otherwise. 
Um, but, like, I also think on the other end of the spectrum, you also have, like, Sonic Adventure 2, which I played the fuck out of, which was, uh, which was based in the real world, so, um. Part, part of me is, was, like, like, the thing that, this is gonna sound stupid, but the thing that immediately popped in my head when I saw, like, the opening of this trailer was, like, there's this, like, weird argument that goes around online about how tall Mario actually is, like, 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 the game theorist did this whole thing and then somebody's like, no, you're obviously wrong, and, like, the game, like, Matt, Matt Pat, the game theory dude, um, mm-hmm. he put him at, like, 5'2", and that's clearly wrong. Like, he's at, like, people's crotch level in this game. So, like, yeah, ha! You're I, wrong! <laughs> I really don't know what the fuck that was about. God, what, what game? God, I'm it's, trying it's, to find this. It's, it's, uh, yeah, what is it? It's, it's the Sonic, it's the Sonic, like, medieval game, uh, which is, I think, that or the werewolf one is the worst one. Oh, Sonic Unleashed. It might be Sonic Unleashed. No, no. Sonic Unleashed is the werewolf one. Sonic and the Black Knight is the one with the human princess. Okay. I guess. I trust you. Um, so, so yeah. Part of me fears that that's going to be the case. And they're not going to think it, think it through, I guess. Um, but, uh, I guess I just have a little bit of faith. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think I just have a little bit of faith. I think that, you know, it's we have gotten so quickly to, like, very strong open world game design that as long as Nintendo isn't filled with, like, its own arrogance, all it needs to do is just kind of stand on the shoulders of, you know, all of the Ubisoft open world game things that make those games satisfying, right? Like, you know, I, I, I am super down for, like... The them that you know them having played a bunch of Bethesda and Ubisoft games and being like, oh hey, cool, this is how this is how open world works. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving down the the, the I'm, I'm I'm looking at Eric Kane's list of trailers to to kind of like get the list of software out. Um, we've got one two switch we talked briefly about and arms. Um. I know people aren't too crazy about arms, but it looks really neat to me. Like, I don't know why, but, like, the idea of holding them like boxing gloves and actually boxing with it seems fairly compelling to me. Um, even in kind of... I'm kind of I, I kind of think it's neat, but I also think... I don't... It, it, it reads to me as a gimmick game that has not that much... You know, like, not that much substance. I don't know. You see... I'm, it looks so. The thing, the reason I have faith in it is because it looks like I think if they wanted to be a gimmick game. This would be Wii Boxing, right? Like it, it have the it have the Mies in there and whatever. But this this looks like they put a bunch of they're putting a bunch of effort into a bunch of different characters. Um, and frankly, the first thing I thought when I looked at it was like, oh, that's going to be an exercise game, right? Like that you could just like like do your boxing training in in your family room. Um, it seems neat to me from that perspective. But we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Um, we've got a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is, uh... Yeah, I, so I wasn't sure about this. Mario Kart 8 is already out for the Wii U, is that correct? Yes, yes. This okay. this adds a battle mode, new characters, and I think some new tracks. Um, and also, I think this capitalizes on something that's true. Like, not a lot of people bought the Wii U, so it's a new enough game for most people anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that the design of Mario Kart games has been basically solid since 
Uh, well, maybe Double Dash wasn't super great, but it's been basically solid since um, Mario Kart 64, so I have plenty of faith that that will be fine. Yeah. Um, Splatoon 2, I'm excited. I actually think that Splatoon 1 was one of the best shooters that year. In fact, it might, I think it might have been it might have been my favorite shooter from that year. Um, it's It's a really good game. Like... And I think with, with, with the move to more traditional controls, it'll only get better. Um, I think with a move to more traditional controls, and if they kind of like... I think this game is built to capitalize on like the upswing in this kind of shooters, right? We're clearly seeing the burst of the Call of Duty bubble, right? Like Call of Duty Infinite yeah, yeah. Warfare sold half the units that last year's Call of Duty sold, which sold, you know, some smaller percentage, right? Like, you're like, clearly we're watching the decline of, of the Call of Duty and we're watching things like Overwatch, right? Um, you know, Titanfall 2 is kind of getting back into, uh, uh, you know, it's like a very movement-based game, um... With kind of, you know, I, see, to me, when I play those games, it's a lot like going back to, I'm, I'm in agreement with Super Bunny Hop, if you've actually seen any of his videos along these kinds of lines, but, like, these remind me a lot of playing, like, um, uh... Doom and, uh... uh yeah, Doom and Unreal. Quake. Yeah, just to, uh, well, you know, I actually never played Unreal, but I played a ton of Quake, because uh, there was one summer where I went with my dad to work all the time as, like, a kid, um, and the net IT guys would use the like they would use the the systems the computers in the office to play like quake and i would just like play quake with them for like hours and hours and hours it was awesome um uh, but so I, I very much, you know, I get, I get a big, I get a big feel of that kind of thing. And so in the same sense that I look at that and I kind of say like, okay, well, we're clearly entering a new shooter paradigm. Splatoon is here to capitalize on that, right? And so uh, I think Splatoon I, started helped to start that one out. Splatoon one helped start that movement out. Like, uh, it's really giving it a lot more credit than I think it deserves. Nope, it is not. <laughs> like, I th I think the popularity of like I don't know Splatoon was probably the most popular game on the Wii U um, for a very long time, and I I I it was. Well liked and well known, regardless of the fact that you know the Wii U was not. Um, I I think that like Splatoon Two doesn't look like like it's doing like Splatoon Two is the Titanfall Two of Splatoon, right? And the Splatoon One was fairly full featured on like Titanfall One. Um, I don't know. I I I think that like yes, it's riding that wave, but I think I think it also helps start that wave. I mean, you know, fine. It, it, that kind of doesn't really matter. I think we are in agreement. Splatoon 2 is going to probably ride this wave, whether or not the first one, <laughs> you know. Anyways, fire buddy, up the buddy, Warriors. Buddy, buddy, you're a squid now. You're a kid now. <laughs> you're a squid, you're a kid. Uh, anyway, fire up the Warriors, yeah. Um, People really like Hyrule Warriors. I, I have a soft spot for Dynasty Warriors games. I've played a whole bunch of them, though. I, I particularly enjoy the Empire's kind of uh, brand of uh, Dynasty Warriors games. So, Yeah, I mean, if, if it's as good as Hyrule Warriors, it should be a, a launch out of the park. The only disappointment I could see in this game being, you know, it's not a Fire Emblem game. It is a Fire Emblem Warriors game. I feel, feel like people felt that way about Hyrule Warriors, too. It's like... It's not a Zelda game, but it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, 
I really have zero patience for that kind of thing. Like, I, like I get it, but I think it's just kind of like, yeah, no, I, shitty. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, and, and especially because I also think that Fire Emblem is Loki, like one of the. Uh, I I am so surprised that they have not done anything. Uh, to bring Fire Emblem more solidly into their kind of console base before this, right? Like, Fire Emblem and Pokemon are kind of the two big examples of, like, games that, like, primarily seem to live on the handhelds and only make their way uh, to the main consoles in... I mean, I can't even think of a Fire Emblems game. Do you know any Fire Emblems games that have ever made it to the main consoles? Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, like, that's... that. You're like, that's literally it. And so, I think, uh, I think Fire Emblem games... Um, First of all, I think Fire Emblem games are good. Uh, second of all, I think that, you know, the the more that they kind of try and cross-pollinate between what I think of as a very solid, right, like, super solid game design happening on the handheld front uh, and bringing that stuff onto the main stage, you know. And this also just kind of, like, furthers the point that I kind of, I think if you look at the Switch as a, a single-player machine that plays these specific games, right? Like, yeah, definitely. I'm super down to get something like Fire Emblem Warriors, and I really hope that it, it means that they're going to be uh, uh, looking at a real Fire Emblem's Warrior or a real Fire Emblem's game for the Switch. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, what's next? Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Um, I never played Xenoblade Chronicles One. I don't really know much about it. I have not played One, but I have played X. Yeah. That game is neat. Um. It is dense, and I am sure it'll be... People who like Xenoblade Chronicles will probably like this game. I'll probably give it a shot to see if I can get back into it. But it's one of those kind of, like, you know, 100-hour games that you can get really lost in, but it kind of monopolizes your time. So, you know, if you're, look, if you're looking for that, that's what it is. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've, I'm typically pretty down on JRPGs in general. Uh, it's not... It's not... It's... It's not like your traditional JRPG. Not yeah, that anything I, I, is anymore. Th- th- but. Th- this is exactly this is actually exactly kind of what I've heard. Uh, like the things that turn me off about JRPGs, like grinding or like just like weird or like poorly thought out like battle systems or whatever. These are these are complaints that I don't typically hear um, when it comes to Xenoblade Chronicles. So I don't know. I don't. I I I, I only kind of know the uh, like even when Xenoblade Chronicles X came out. Uh, ten. Uh, the no, it was X. Uh, I don't think it's it's not ten. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, uh, this is two. <laughs> like oh yeah, well, yeah. What am I thinking? I don't know. I so I actually do know what I was thinking because I was thinking in terms of Final Fantasy. Fantasy oh yeah. And I was thinking like you know X X you know anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I get it. Anyway, but the point is, I've only ever heard good things in very very circumstantial in passing things. So I don't really. I don't have an informed opinion to make about Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm sure people uh, are happy about it, though. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Uh, Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to say to that. Do you have anything? Um, It'll probably be good, but it's not an exclusive, so I don't know if it really, like, bears mentioning other than it's going to be there. Um, You know, that's, like... If you were hyped for this game, you don't buy a Switch for this. You can get get it on your PC or your PS4 or your Xbox. Right. Maybe if you feel like playing it on the go, you know, that, that that's why you'd get it. But I don't see it being a system seller. Um, uh, but it looks how good. Do you feel, yeah, how do you feel about this uh, Bomberman game? Um, Bomberman, it's 
<clears throat> are you a Bomberman fan? I am not. Bomberman's Konami, right? Like I'm. Uh, I think so. Technically, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a Konami fan. Um, I'm not a Konami fan either. But I've played a bunch of Bomberman in my day, and uh, kind of down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I'm tentatively down for for yeah, Bomberman. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what's up because I am not sold on like this eight brothers weirdness. Like it doesn't like they haven't shown me anything that isn't just like regular Bomberman with like 3D models. Um, and like we. <sighs> It's true, but I also haven't gotten a Bomberman game in like what feels like years. That's fair. Um, so I I don't hold that quite. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not excited for it though, right? Like. Yeah. That okay. That's fair. That's true. I get that. Um, and what's what what else is on this list? Puyo Tetris. Yeah, no, no. Puyo. Did you watch this trailer? I didn't. Uh, I I did not watch. So this trailer, Puyo Puyo so. is actually a different game. It's kind of like Doctor Mario. It's a little bit different. Like like oh, really. Yeah, like the like the it, they don't like the like edges. It, it's if you look at the corners of the still. Oh my god! I'm actually watching the trailer now. I totally see this. Yeah, yeah. So that could be neat. I don't know if it'll be like sixty dollars neat, but like it seems at least inventive. I don't think it's gonna like like you know blow my mind, but I do think it's a little bit more than just Tetris. Um. Think it's a little bit more than just Tetris. Yeah, I you know I'm with you. I can get I can get get in on that. Yeah. Um, and then they have all of these other kind of like third party titles. Um, Minecraft. Yeah, I you know I I am you know um, I guess I'm something of a Microsoft fanboy to an extent, but I like decisions like this for Minecraft. If the roles were reversed. Nintendo would never put Minecraft. Oh on yeah, machine. absolutely. You know never. what I mean? And I really appreciate that. Like fucking microsoft just doesn't care right like it's more important to them that they put as they, they, they get minecraft to as big a market as possible uh than it is to uh then it that like that it is to like be like shitty and and exclusive about it which i appreciate um also minecraft is on this list twice yeah um, but, so uh, many yeah. minecrafts uh, I also, I you know, I I also think Skyrim is kind of cool. I think the the I, the the prospect of being able to play Skyrim on the go is a very appealing one. Um, I agree. So, I I am down for that. I also think that Skyrim has a has a lot to gain by a. Um, Skyrim is a game that I played uh, first on you know, on my Xbox 360, and then I played it again on my computer, and actually switching the control scheme from a controller to a keyboard, there's actually a lot to be gained and or lost in that transition um, that I think is kind of just like a weird, neat, like, like, my, like it's, it's like something I would almost want to, like, focus in on and make, like, a whole thing about. Um, because it really changes the context of the game. Uh, to be playing on a controller or to be playing on a mouse and keyboard. And so I'm hopeful uh, that th they will be able to kind of make a, a similar interesting paradigm shift uh, with the, the, the intricacies and the specificities of the Switch controller. Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I'm not super... like. I don't know. It's it's more of kind of like the the like these aren't things that that make me excited about the switch. They're like at least the the couple that we just gone over. 
Um, but it, but they are they are nice to have. Something that does get me excited about the Switch, though, um, and I see that he hasn't mentioned here, is Street Fighter is actually a new version of Street Fighter 2 with two new characters for Street Fighter 2, which is, like, the first time that's happened in a long time. Like, I think, like, maybe a decade and a half, we're getting Evil Ryu and Violent Ken, which I think is a, a kind of weird kind of new thing there. Um, I don't know. That, that, that's exciting to me. Uh, yeah, I feel that. Um, yeah. I'm also amused that Farming Simulator is under, on here. Um, I, I also find that amusing. I, you know, I honestly want to, like, try that game one day. I want to go play Farming Simulator just to, like, give it a shot and see what all the, the hubbub is about. Yeah. Um, Do you know anything about Project Octopath Traveler? No, I have no idea what that is. It's a Square Enix game, so I thought you might know something. But uh, well, is, uh, I wonder if uh, Dragon Quest Builders is going to be on. Did they announce that? Am I? Yeah, I guess they didn't announce it. Mm. Dragon Quest Builders being the like the new uh, 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 like the new kind of like Minecraft, but with all these cool weird RPG elements. Oh, okay. Everybody seems to love the game, so you know. Yeah, well, we'll see. They will. Yeah, we'll see. Oh. Uh. The only other thing on here that, that, that catches my eye is, uh, is I am Sitsuna, and that's only because, um, what was it, uh, I think it's Dodger from, uh, from the co-optional podcast was playing through the game, and she, because it's called I am Sitsuna, she named all of her characters Sitsuna, and she couldn't tell what was happening in the plot, but that's, that, that is the only thing that, that game, that I know about that game. It's supposed to be, I think, a decent JRPG, like a very classic JRPG for the people that like that kind of game. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I think anyway, I guess, I don't know, that. those are my thoughts on the Twitch. Yeah. Or Switch. Twitch. The Switch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, this isn't really a reader question, but I'm going to treat, treat it like it is. Fan of the show, Alexio, writes in to say... Oh, boy. Um, some people are saying the Switch unites Nintendo's handheld and home console business. Is that really true, or is that hyperbole? Is the Switch really a success to the Game Boy in addition to being the successor to the Wii U? <laughs> now that I see where you pulled this question from, it has nothing to do with the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tear down the veil, readers. I only speak truth. <laughs> he just asked that question randomly, and you've just incorporated... I, I don't even think he listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fan of the show, fan of the show, long-time listener, <laughs> first-time writer. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, what, yeah, what do you think? So, so I think this is, this is actually, like, you know, all jokes aside, I think this is a really interesting question. Nintendo has said that they're not going to discontinue the, the 3DS line, but they also said they weren't going to discontinue the Game Boy line when the 2DS launched, and we saw how that happened. So, um, in terms of intent, I don't know. In terms of in terms of what it, what reality and what it should be, I think this is Nintendo's smartest move. They dominated the handheld for a long time and they're losing your smartphones. I think this is the best like merging their home and road experience is the best move that they can make, I think. I think Hopefully, they learn very quickly that this is the right thing to be doing to be pushing this as kind of like a hybrid system and really ceasing anything else. Um, you know, taking resources off of developing the next 
you know, the 3DS system or whatever, putting it into making, you know, the Switch 2 or, you know, the Switch 1.5 or whatever. Um, I think this is how Nintendo gets any sort of win moving into the future. I agree, mostly. I, I, you know, as harsh as I am on Nintendo, most of that harshness really is focused on the, um, uh, like, the way that they, they behave in, the in like, the universe of kind of console developers. But I do think handheld is a different business, and I think that they have clearly just... Just... Ab- Dominating is almost kind of, like, the worst, wor- like, monopolized for almost decades at this point you know what i mean like yeah god they have just destroyed everybody who's even like attempted to uh uh to edge them out um and so yeah i think it's smart i actually think that they are doing the right thing um also from the perspective of like and i think this is a very nintendo move of where if you're uh if somebody releases something and it's edging you out, right? Like, it's edging out the competition. You don't try and beat them at their own game, you know? They don't... They're not going to try and make a more powerful console than the Xbox and the PS2. They're going to make something with motion controls, right? They're not going to try and... Um, you know, and, and sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't work. But I have a feeling that this is going to be, uh, like, a good use for that. Because I think by making themselves a unique competitor to smartphones rather than a direct competitor, uh, it opens up, uh, like, the pathway for people to be like... Well, there's, you know, there's like asymmetrical reasons to make these choices rather than just comparing processors. And, you know what I mean? Like all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. There's a lot of people who, who seem to think that Nintendo should do that. And I just don't. I think that's dumb. I think that's always been a stupid idea to try and be like, oh, Nintendo should just start developing all these like mobile apps or whatever. And I'm just like, I, I think that is I think that is definitively the wrong idea. You know, I, I, I think that there's, like, a space for that. Like, I think that, like, Super Mario Run could work on the Switch, right? Like, it, like, it would not surprise me if, 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 if that's, like, a thing that, that's, that happens in the future. Like, you could play Super Mario Run on your Switch. Um, I don't think that they should focus on that, but I think that that's... I think that in this kind of evolving market, it's something you kind of got to tip your hat to. I think that's the first step to doing what we were talking about, about, you know, making first-party games for things that aren't their own hardware. Um, you know, Oof, that's true. Um, yeah. You know, like, the you know, the, the first not... The first Nintendo game released for not a Nintendo console had, was Super Mario Run. So, um, it's a different Holy direction. Holy shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. Jesus. Um. So, uh, we'll see how that how that goes moving into the future. Um, you know, so like the the obviously the answer to this question is kind of shady. We'll see how it goes. I hope that answered your question, Alexio. Um, <laughs> I hope you tune in. I hope you tune in to hear that that answer. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um. Uh, so, how was your week, buddy? Uh, how was my week? My week was fine. I don't know. What did I do this week? Shit. Uh. I, God. I played some Overwatch this week. Oof. That's something I haven't played in a long time. I was really bad. We lost a lot. <laughs> until, until I played, uh, uh, until I played Soldier 76, we lost every game. And then I played Soldier 76 the entire time and we won that game. Um. 
Which is funny because uh, I, I really felt the pain of new champions uh, kind of, like, outmoding tactics for, like, old champions. Uh, that ha This happened at least twice. There was a moment where I got on McCree, I was shooting everybody, I went to go ult, and then the enemy Anna sleep-darted me. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, I was really mad. Um, and then I played a game as Bastion. Where the enemy team picked Sombra, um, who I haven't, you know, who I hadn't seen. Uh, and every time I got into turret mode, Sombra would hack me, which would disable turret mode. And I would just have to be running around in regular mode Bastion. And I was like, well, fuck my life then. Like, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I didn't actually get to play on any of the new maps, unfortunately. I played on all old maps, but um, I did uh, uh, I did get to play with the new champs, the new meta, the new Zenyatta is interesting. The new Symmetra changes, did you see that Symmetra got a bunch of changes? Oh, the uh, the, the bubble shield? Yeah. Yeah, she got like a whole redesign um, from the ground up that... Uh, it's I've not been, really I've from the Symmetra ground up. It's, it's, the second skill got reworked, the beam got extended, and she got a second ult that, sh that she can choose between. But like the, the turrets are still the same, and the beam is like tweaked more than anything, no? Uh, yeah, well, so, yeah, I, this to me is the first, um, iteration, I guess, of, uh, uh, it's a little bit like the champion reworks in, uh, in, like, League of Legends, right? Like, this is a version of a champion being reworked, which had kind of never happened before in Overwatch. The closest you get is the D.Va change, but even that was just kind of, like, one ability, um, and, uh, uh, but I, I like the Symmetra changes a lot. I played Symmetra a bunch. She was a lot of fun. Uh, teleporter all still felt really... I, I'm surprised that... I, I think of the teleporter as being extremely strong. Uh, I'm surprised that they kind of felt as though they needed to give her that double uh, that double ultimate. So, so the teleport um, is strong on, like, first points. I don't think it's super strong on, like, on, on uh, capture point maps or on defending, like, a second point. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think that's always kind of been the... Um, to me, that's always kind of been the question when it comes into, uh, you know, like the teleport. The teleporter is useful in direct, you know, like it, it scales one to one with the distance that you can eliminate by having people teleport kind of thing. Um, but I also kind of think that that sort of thing is a little bit natural, uh, you know, like I think there are strengths and weaknesses to every kind of champion. And so having a moment you know, on, on Temple of Anubis where Symmetra's teleporter isn't, uh, isn't incredibly powerful on that second point. Um, I don't know. Uh, but you know, uh, she's, she's super cool. She's super interesting. Uh, I, I'm actually a little bit excited to kind of go back into it just a little bit. Um, just because Overwatch is good. I think it's a really good game. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Um, you play anything else this week? I don't know what, I, I did play some other stuff. What did you, did you play anything this week? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, so I've been playing a lot of, um, these two games called, um, N plus or N plus plus and cave blazers. Um, if you're not familiar, um, and also actually a little bit of Diablo three as well. Season nine just started. Um, the reason being is these are games I can play while listening to a podcast. Um, mm. If you are unfamiliar, did you ever play Endgame? That game came out when we were in like high school. No, I don't think so. Um, you play as little ninja and you jump around and it's kind of, you have to open, hit a switch, open the end door, and then go through that end door. 
Um, and then you can collect gold along the way, and the go- and you have um, a timer for like a, a set of five levels, um, and the gold extends your time. Um, and, oh, okay. And usually you don't need the gold to finish it out. It's mostly like a, like it's a completion objective. Like did you, like you finish the, the level, you finish it either as quickly as possible, or you finish it while getting all the gold and all the gold as quickly as possible. Like it's additional uh, completion objective. It's one of those super hard platformers. It's got a lot of little tricks to it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of like it's a lot about building momentum and jumping far. Um, and kind of, like, mastering the system. And it's, it's kind of actually one of the first games that really got me into the super hard platforming genre. Um, and N++ is just, like, um, the the most refined modern version. It's got, like, the, the old version was, like, an EXE you downloaded off the internet. And you, like, could, like, design, like, write levels in text files and send them around to your friends. This one's a Steam game. It's got, like, f- it's full-featured. It's got, like, 1,026 levels total. Um, and it's got, it's, it's just, and it's got like, you know, like cosmetic stuff, like you want like different colors and different music and headbands for your ninja. It's called that game cause you, you control a little ninja. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just the kind of a, a really good refinement of everything the game is. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and a lot of fun to kind of just, you know, play over and over while just kind of like basically focusing on the game while like listening to something else. Cave Blazers is a, um, I believe it's still in early access, um, but it's uh, it's it's a game where it's are you familiar with like Spelunky or games like that? Yeah, yeah, I know Spelunky. Um, it's it's not exactly like Spelunky, but it's it's the closest thing I can think of. It's it's a roguelike. You you go in, you're you're going down into a um, into like a, a dungeon, but it's got more um, adventuring elements to it. You have a sword and a bow, and you can get different items. You can get better swords and bows. You can equip magic items. It's got consumables and all that. It's super tough, and the idea is to get as deep as you can. I don't think it's perfect. Um, I think, for instance, that um, it's uh, it's um, a level-level boss, and I think the bosses are too hard comparatively. Um, I think you really need to be lucky and get like the right set of items as you're going through those first two levels to make the bosses beatable. Um, and even then I think, I think that some of the bosses are way too hard. Like I think, um, the only boss I've been able to beat consistently is there's a worm boss that kind of is very easy to pull the, to predict the patterns of, but most of the bosses I think are just a little bit too hard, but it's again, the game's in beta. So I think that it'll get there. Um, and then Diablo, okay. Diablo three is Diablo three. Um, I just felt like playing a loot game. Um, and so I played that for a little while, not a ton. What are, are there any major changes to the you know like season season nine? I guess at this point, um, the only thing that's there is is for I think this month there's the uh, there's the classic like uh, the you know the Diablo one reskin, but nothing nothing really there. You know some there's some cosmetic stuff, but no, nothing super different. I just hadn't played it in a while. Like I think if you, if you've been playing it, you're you're not gonna want to go back. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Diablo 3 and, uh, and World of Warcraft kind of fit that same, uh, you know, like Diablo 3, World of Warcraft, um, Minecraft, these are all games that I play while I watch something on my other screen a lot of the time, just kind of like doing low level stuff, not, not giving, uh, not giving too much of a shit. Um, patch 7.1.5 came out for World of Warcraft this week. So I've been, uh, doing some of that stuff. Like the Brawler's Guild is out, which is super fun. Um, I played a couple of those fights. Um, 
which I think are really neat and interesting. I also think, um, I also think that, uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of jazzed to get into Nighthold next week. Um, I still haven't done any of the 7.1, like, insurrection plotline stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how far we as a guild will be able to kind of penetrate uh, into the raid on a first outing basis. We got exceedingly far in in the Emerald Nightmare, like, really quickly, uh, where we quickly, it, you know, in, in two or three weeks, we just, we had d destroyed the, um, the normal version of the raid, and then we started kind of doing, like, slower, uh, more methodical progression on Heroic, uh, and I'm, I'm interested to see if there will be a big roadblock, uh, for normal, uh, the Emerald, uh, for, nor or, sorry, for normal, uh, Nighthold, um, especially because it's a very long, it is just an extremely long raid. Um, it's like 12 bosses, uh, or whatever. Um, I don't know what else have I been doing. Uh, and there's, oh, I also started playing some of these, um, there's a, there's an extra set of missions. So, so last week I went back to StarCraft 2 and I, I completed the game, beat the epilogue, um, but I, and now I also went back and I've started playing these Nova missions, which are kind of like a smaller scale set of, of single player missions that they got that they have released, which have been um, very interesting. It's a big paradigm shift just because, um, you know, Nova herself is a hero unit and you can equip her with like different stuff. So she has a sniper rifle or she has a shotgun, right? Or she has her permanent cloak thing or she has a jetpack or whatever. Um, but also these missions seem to be focusing on less resource counts. So it's much more, um, it's a little bit like the difference between like Warhammer Fantasy and like Warhammer 40k where you're more incentivized because you have lower resource counts um, to make small, very effective units, uh, rather than just like, you know, creating a very powerful diesel engine out of your economy, uh, and rushing to that 200 unit kind of army cap as quickly as possible, which is pretty, uh, I don't know, which is pretty neat. I'm super down for that. Yeah, no, uh, sounds interesting. Um, um. We, yeah, no, no. I also got further. I also got further in Mankind Divided, which is really opening up. It's like, it you know, really opening up in the kind of like film noir story structure. I can't believe people don't like this game. I really have to finish it though, because it might be something with like the ending or progression that I haven't gotten to. But I'm super into it right now. Yeah, awesome. Um, uh, oh, we played D and D this week. Um, we played. Oh God, you're right. We, we played Rune Lords. We killed. Is, is there a lot to talk about there? We killed some stuff. I, uh, we killed some stuff. I animated a house. That was interesting. Uh, I think I think that was kind of like the, I think that was the single, like most unusual thing, that happened that session. It's it's been a yeah. lot of combat for a while. Um, I I have a feeling that, uh, I mean I think everyone's kind of uh, you know we're all coasting to a certain extent but i have a feeling that you know w the way that mark originally structured this makes me think that he wanted to do something um because we had talked about it a little bit where we were like oh let's do some big sessions over the holidays kind of things uh and because that never really materialized 
Um, it's just kind of we're grinding through them in three hour chunks instead of the big like six yeah, hour, six like, twelve I, hour. I, I think if the Siege of Sandpoint had been one event that was spread over the course of like one or two big sessions rather than over the course of uh, you know a, a month plus at this point. Um, yeah, I, agree. I would be. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to spend. I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, like, I don't want to like shit on Mark kind of thing. But I, so a, a definite skill that I feel like I've learned and I feel like has been um, important to Hell's Rebels is structuring sessions to be like an instant three hour. You know what I mean? Like, a, like a three hour episode, right? To be self instead of yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I think structuring things. Um, I think it's really important to structure things that way where like kind of each session has like a beginning, a middle and an end. And it kind of tells its own individual story um, because otherwise I think you get this kind of blending. It feels like I'm watching a movie chopped up into into 15 minute chunks uh, problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely feel that. I think that. I think that I, I think that like kind of that as as a as a group maybe like the the style like our style or or Mark's style maybe um, hasn't adapted totally to weekly three hour chunks as opposed to what we used to do which is kind of like maybe not as regular but also for longer periods of time mm-hmm. um, and I think I think that kind of recognizing that is, is kind of the the right way to, 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 to kind of give the uh, the game long, longevity and, and make it feel right. Um, yeah, I, I also kind of don't know that I would really... Um, uh, I, I haven't actually gone back. Have you gone back and, like, watched any of our old episodes on nope. YouTube? I have a very hard time doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, do too. To be honest, just because, like... It's one of those things where, like, listening back to kind of, like, my voice and, I and like seeing it play out i don't know it's just like weird but um also i realized uh, that we had some recording problems with the earlier episodes like i would mute myself to eat but i would mute myself on like mumble and not on my microphone so you can hear me chewing in a bunch of episodes it's great oh that's that's hilarious we're we're professionals here at some dirt we are so freaking professional it's uh it's not even funny um uh, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 it's something that I didn't quite realize. I think until I, until I got in the mindset of doing that double thing at the end of each book. Um, once I had the contrast in my head about it, um, even though both of those sessions have run long and have kind of needed to be clipped on the back end uh, anyway, it's not something that I think I would have thought of. Um, yeah, you know, it, like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have occurred to me that like this was an important aspect of like managing a D and D game and running a D and D game until I was kind of like faced with it in the two instances, one being a six hour session, one being a three hour session, because they really do feel. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you can get like I think you can have a a arc run over two sessions once in a while, but like um. Something that's kind of been endemic to this Rune Lords game is like arcs that last like five or six sessions that inevitably have like a miss somewhere in the middle that really kind of like breaks that thing and it's one into another of those. Mm-hmm. 
and I, and I think I think that's you know it's something that we we all need to to, to learn going forward to kind of. Yeah, I mean, I also, you know, I think it's endemic uh, in in other games too, right? Like it's um, uh, it's something that was very true of our Iron Gods. Yeah, game. I agree. Um, I actually think, strangely enough, the biggest uh, the biggest kind of counterpoint to this also might be the uh, the uh, Skull and Shackles game that we played because. We, we did a very interesting thing with that Skull and Shackles game, mostly because there were... Um, it also didn't last that long. <laughs> well, so it didn't last that long, but when we were playing it, we played it like a couple of... We played it like three or four sessions a week for like maybe a month or whatever. So we actually got pretty far, all things considered. Um, but because of how quickly we were playing it, I think it muted this effect a lot. And so we had things like one whole session takes place on, you know, this island or whatever. Like one whole session is just like us sticking around on the ship. Um, and so, uh, but like it, it was a very weird way of, uh, of kind of, uh, uh, you didn't, the, the, because there was only like a day or two uh, behind. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if you did like three or four sessions a week, like once a month, you could, you and, and those week-long sessions were an arc, you could also achieve the same end. Yeah, exactly. Um, part of me, actually, on, honestly, part of me wants to kind of experiment with that a bit, to be honest. Like, I, I think it would actually be pretty cool to kind of set aside... I don't know. I think it would be pretty cool to set aside... Or, like, we, you know, there are these people that talked about it in Gen Con where they have this thing where once a month they will get together on a weekend and they will burn through an entire AP book, right? Yeah. And it, But it's once a month, but it's also, like you know, 48 hours-ish straight uh, playing. And I think that that would also be just, like, super cool and interesting. I don't think you can make it work on Roll20, but I think you could definitely do that. Um, yeah. Uh, I think you could do that with uh, with friends. Yeah. With friend Renos. I think... I, we, uh, we never talked about it on the cast, but I think it'd be a neat thing to do and kind of, like, you know, rent out a cabin for we can just do a whole adventure path. Like, you're locked in, you know, fucking... Mm. You know, 210 days, 240 hours, no sleep, go! <laughs> I would, you have no idea how down for that I would be. Um, we've talked about it in the, we've talked about it in the context of Gen Con, where like Gen Con comes out, um, and immediately after the con, we actually hang out in Indianapolis for a couple of days, just to sit in the hotel room and play Starfinder, because Starfinder comes out uh, Gen, Gen Con 2017. Um, and I think that would be awesome, right? Yeah. Now. Uh, I, I want to I be on record uh, as much as possible that this is a cool idea, and I really want to do it. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I also feel that, to a certain extent, uh, uh, I also feel that, that, like, it would be a hard thing to accomplish i think uh, it, it, it's it feels to me like one of those things that would make for a great story or whatever but you know how sometimes like or in like certain D games like a great story or like a great plot twist or something like that doesn't kind of masks over like the shit yeah so like i feel like it would be one of those things where like it would also be a really grueling experience to a certain extent um uh, that could get really frustrating very quickly yeah um so, you know. Yeah. I, I think the idea needs some more uh, talking over before we... Like, I I, th I think doing it somewhere, um, like like a city, right? Or, like, so, yeah. somewhere where, like, if everything goes to shit, you can kind of be like, you know what? Let's go, like, 
do something else for a minute. That that might be like kind of like the good failsafe, right? Like the I also you know I think it might actually be I I would actually be down to do something along these lines, uh, like just like over like we plan a weekend in San Francisco, yeah, you know, in uh, like like in March or something like that, right? Just like it's like okay, everybody's gonna take that Monday off work, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're all gonna just kind of uh, and we're all just kind of kind of uh, go hard, uh, just to see how well it would work. That that intrigues me. I would be really interested in, in in seeing how that plays out. That's a good like kind of like thought experiment. Um, yeah, because it's also it's also a weird thing to do this at Gen Con because it's a huge monetary investment. I mean, obviously, it's something of a monetary investment. Uh, uh, like for me to go up to to San Francisco, but it's way less than like oh well, we're gonna spend another couple of days in this hotel room. N- right. Not only that, but the the, the other side of that coin is like. Gen Con is going to be days after we've already been playing games for four days straight. Yeah, that's uh, that's also true. Not getting all that like sleep and everything like that. Yeah, um, or, or, you know, even just like kind of like games fatigue in general, right? Like you do it in March when you haven't done it in a while, it feels fresher. It's not like you've just gone through four days of like crazy gaming and just trying to tack on another three. But you know that that's all stuff for the future. There was one more thing I did want to talk about. I do with my week. It's this is a little bit unusual, but um. Um, I watched some anime. I went to an <laughs> um, I went to an anime convention, but the anime I'm going to talk about right now isn't one I I watched at the convention. It's called um, Showa Genro- I'm going to screw this up. Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. I probably butchered the name pronunciation wise, but um, I'll put a link in the description to Crunchyroll. Um, it is not or um, it is a anime it's a very good dramatic anime about do you know what rakugo is buddy i have no idea okay this is japanese theater form um maybe it's rakugo i don't know i'm not japanese um and uh these it's a storyteller who's kneeling on a pad and uses upper body and like a fan and that's it to like tell these stories it's very historical art form that's kind of um dying in the modern day maybe dying is the wrong term but it's not as it used to be like the thing to go do and it's not that anymore um kind of like traditional theater um in 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 the the united states it used to be a lot bigger than before like movies and television um and this anime is about um the first season is about these two apprentices um advancing and honing their craft in the era following world war two um and the it's the materials interest like rather the subject matter is 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 a kind of a neat driving force but the real thing is is that there are these really intense character stories that are um that are really compelling it's really emotional um it's also one of the, the 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 most beautiful animes i've seen in a while um and um I'd recommend this kind of on the level that I'd recommend, like, uh, a really good sh- uh, regular show, right? Like, I, I, as someone who I know isn't particularly fond of anime, I'd recommend this to you as a good show to watch in a general sense, not just as a good anime. Um, and so I want to put that out there for put that out there for everybody out there. Um, maybe once in a while I'll do um, a little bit more anime stuff because I, I do watch anime occasionally. At this convention, I watched Taboo Tattoo and Nobunagan, and those animes are very stupid, but they're very fun. So, you know, I wouldn't recommend those to you, buddy, because they're very stupid animes. But but this Showa Rakuga or Showa Genroku Rakuga 
Rakugo Shinju is 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 excellent. Oh. Fair enough. Uh, okay, I I am not you know I am not an anime guy typically, um, but uh, I don't have any ill will towards anime really. Um, I don't know. Uh, I do want to mention another show that I've been watching. Now that we're talking about TV shows a little bit, just like the last three minutes pitch. Okay. Uh, do you know who Nick Kroll is? Uh, he's um, he's uh the the lawyer from the league. Yeah, he's Ruxin. Yeah, Ruxin. Uh, he's yeah. Ruxin on the league. Um, he also he's showed up in a lot of other stuff too. Uh, you know, he was the he he shows up as Germans all the time. He's for some he's reason. the pig I, in Sing. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he's just like does a great. Ger- he's the he's also the head German foot uh, foosballer in uh, in that first episode about foosball in Community. The Germans eventually come oh, back. Oh, really? I didn't know. In another episode, yeah, I think that's Nick Kroll. Um, I haven't uh, seen that episode in forever, so I'll take. I your just word rewatched for it. Community, so you know, it's something that I have uh, I have thought of. But anyway, um, same as Jurgen. <laughs> Uh, but he has he has a, like a sketch comedy show on uh, Comedy Central that I just kind of decided to watch. I was like, you know, what? like Nick Kroll's in, he's in stuff that I like, you know, whatever. Sketch comedy can be a good thing. This show is fucking brilliant. It is so good. Okay, what's the name the, of it? It's called The Kroll Show. Okay, and it's a sketch comedy show. It's like it's it's a bunch of you know comedy sketches, but all of the all of the sketches are in universe reality shows. Um, so, for instance, one of them is uh, Armand of the House, which is, you know, just like one of those, like, super rich people living their super rich people lives, reality shows, um, where, uh, uh, and it follows Dr. Armand, the California's premier animal plastic surgeon, and, like, it's hard to explain what really makes it work so well. There's another show that has Nick Kroll in drag, and that, um... You know, she's she's kind of like in everything. I think her name is Jenny Slater, but she's like uh, she's a female comedian who has a uh, kind of like an annoying voice. Um, but they both play, you know, they play two Valley girls, Liz and Liz, and they start a publicity firm called Publicity. <laughs> and the show, and the, but the thing is that like, okay, so Doctor Armand is a is a character is a throwaway gag in the first episode of Publicity, right? And then in the second episode of the Crow show, he gets his own spin-off show, right? And then Armand has a son Roman, and then Roman spins off into his own reality show. And these different reality shows like weave back and forth into one another, right? Like there's this one character, Bobby Bottle Service, who's like uh uh you know kind of like a uh like a white trash urban uh like club rat kind of person uh he shows up and shows all over the place uh there's uh john mulaney and nick kroll play these two uh these two like old jewish guys we are kind of something of a send-up of like uh you know like larry david or like Jerry oh they, they have a they have a, 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 a like a theater show for that that's um uh oh what's it what did, what did you did you, do you remember what the name is it, the, so the name of the show they have is called Too Much Tuna, which is a prank show where they sit people down at a deli and then they give them a tuna sandwich that has too much tuna on it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they play Gil Faison and uh, George St. Geegland, who is my just favorite, it's just my favorite character name in in a long time. Um, but I highly recommend this oh, show. It, yeah, it's, it's it a is, Broadway show called Oh Hello. 
That's oh yeah 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 yeah. That's how they start. That's how they start off their sketches. Like oh hello. Yeah, but they've got a Broadway show of those two characters. Of uh... yeah, they, he actually it's all of these sketches are intercut with kind of just like Dick Kroll and his comedian buddies, just kind of like talking to the camera for maybe like half you know half a minute or like forty five seconds. Um, and they uh, but for one of them they talk about it's like him and Jim John John Mulaney and they. Uh, <laughs> They talk about why Too Much Tuna is a prank show. And it's because they went to a deli in West Hollywood where a bunch of hipster kids sent them a tuna sandwich that was just, like, over full of tuna. And they just looked at these hipsters and they were just like, what? What? <laughs> like, what? Like, and, and the hipsters thought it was the funniest thing. And, and they're just like, I don't get it, you know? And so uh, I appreciate that they were able to make that. Uh, uh, they were, but the Kroll show is genius. I highly recommend it. All 30 episodes. Uh, it's, it has like you know, three seasons or whatever. All 30 episodes are on um, on Hulu right now. Uh, so you, you know, I, yeah. When, when you were t- so for whatever reason, when when you when you were telling this, telling the story that they were telling, I'm imagining that one of the hipsters that sent them too much tuna is is Max Landis. <laughs> fairly, I, I bet that's probably accurate, you know, rainbow hair. But uh, anyways, uh, I guess that's it. We've come to our we've come to our yeah. time of uh, running. Yeah, we have. If you'd like to email us about anything we've talked about today, the switch, Dick Kroll. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. You can email us at <laughs> subderpsplaygames at gmail.com. You can watch the twitch.tv slash um, subderpsplaygames. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and on SoundCloud and leave comments and ratings, and we'll love you forever. We're on everything. Um, I think that's about it. Um, buddy, did you have anything you wanted to pimp? I have nothing else that I want to that I want to plug. Um, well, then, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.